Awesome. Good morning, everyone. So good to see everybody today. Hope you guys are all staying warm out there. Just barely, right? We were happy because this morning when we got up, our um, car was not covered in ice. So that's always a plus. But man, I'm so excited to be with you guys today. We're talking about God is, all the awesome things that God is. You know, if you guys have been here for um, maybe even just a month, you would know that Jake, my husband, he is Sicilian, and um, he loves Italian food. And so this weekend, this last weekend, I got together with all of the women in his family, and we made the, what they call long sauce. So it's basically, we, we call it spaghetti, right? Americans, we call it spaghetti. But they call it long sauce because it takes a long time to make it, I think. I don't really know, but I'm assuming that's why. And so we spent all day making this long sauce. We made over 300 meatballs. 300 meatballs. There was also Italian sausage. There was also spare ribs. I don't know why there's spare ribs in that sauce, but you don't question Italian people. And it is delicious. And I did ask, I, they were saying like, you know, okay, we have 300 meatballs here. Do you think um, we might have overbought? And, you know, they're like, no, you, you, it's always better to have too much than too little, you know. But obviously there should be a limit to that. Don't you think, like, at some point too much, 300 meatballs, that's a lot of meatballs. But I'm so excited um, about this series we're in. We're talking about God is, all of the different um, things that God is. God is awesome, right? And there's so many different ways in the Bible that we see who God is. In fact, there's different names of the Bible um, that we can see who God is. And the one I want to talk to you guys today about is God is our provider. In the Bible, there was a name that God had, and it was called Jehovah Jireh. And if that sounds like a weird word to you, it's because it's not English, okay? So you're like, I've never heard those words. Well, I grew up in church, um, and so when I was a little kid, we did have kids' classes, but you went to church a lot more than just Sunday mornings, and we weren't in a movie theater. We were at a, a, a different building, but um, we, so we were at church a lot and they only had kids classes on Sunday mornings. And so the rest of the times, the rest of the hours, that's what it felt like as a child, that you were at church, you sat next to your parents on a pew and you were quiet. You had to just be quiet and sit there. Now my kids cannot sit and be quiet at all, ever. And I'm like, you, you need to be in a pew. Learn like me, right? One time, um, my, uh, my brother-in-law, they were getting married and they wanted Evie, she's our oldest, they wanted her to be a, um, a flower girl. And she was not quite two years old. And so he was very concerned though that she was going to um, ruin the ceremony understandably. And um, so he was very concerned. And I said, he said, well, how long do you think she can stand up there? And Jake, he goes, she can't. She can't stay up there. She can't be still. It's not going to happen. And he was like, no, 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 no. Just stop joking around. Tell me, like, how long? Can, and he was like, come here. Look at Evie, come here. And Evie, you know, comes over. She's a toddler, Evie. And he goes, Evie, stand right here for a little bit. And so, and then Jake went, three, two, and she ran off. <laughs> and he was like, no, seriously, she can't stay here. But, you know, when I was a kid, you had to stay there. You Maybe every once in a while you got to bring something to color, but you just had to sit there and be quiet. And when I was a kid, there was a song that was very popular, and it was all about what we're going to talk about today. So they're going to play you a clip of that song for your hearing delight today. You guys want to play that for me? It only gets faster. 
you guys are singing along. All right, all right, all right, all right. Thank you, thank you. Pretty great, huh? Pretty good, right? Some of you guys are like, oh, bring back the old days. And some of you guys are like, thank God that's over. Praise the Lord, we've moved on. But that's what I grew up with. I remember um, sitting there as a you know, small child and watching everyone sing that. And it's, I mean, it's exciting music, but still, I was like, it's interesting. This is what we do here, all right, this is what we do. But Jehovah Jireh, that name actually comes from Genesis 22. Genesis is the first book in the Bible, chapter 22, and it's the story of this man, and his name is Abraham. And Abraham, he was not a Christian. There weren't Christians yet because Jesus hadn't come yet. And so, but he wasn't even a God follower, the same God that we follow. He wasn't that, he didn't follow that God. And he, um, at this time, they would have lived mostly in tents. He had a lot of livestock in first service. I called it agriculture. That's how much I don't know about farming. And, but he had a lot of livestock. And one day God speaks to Abraham and says, Abraham, pack up everything you, you own and move to the place I will show you. Now that is my nightmare, okay? I'm, I'm like a spontaneous person. I'm an adventure person. I like to like do things like spontaneously. We had a fun adventure this summer where we had a spontaneous trip after work. Or Jake was at work and I texted him towards the end of the afternoon. I said, let's go spend the night in Portland tonight with the kids. We stayed at the most disgusting hotel I've ever been in. So sometimes spontaneity does not pay off. But, but, you know, I don't mind spontaneous things because you know you're going to come home, right? Your home is still there. So it's fun to go be adventurous because you get to come home at some point and sleep in your own bed. So this, though, sounds horrible. Just go, move, pack everything and move, and I'll show you where you're going to live when you get there. Like, mm -mm. can you imagine explaining that to your wife? I heard a voice outside inside, inside of me. Okay. And we're going to move. Mm -mm. No, we're not. We're not going to move. Right. But that's what Abraham did. They, they, he had faith. He had faith in God and said, all right. And so he packed up everything and he moved. And then God again spoke to Abraham and Abraham and his wife were very old. They were in their nineties. If you're in your nineties right now, that's not very old. That's very young. But to them, that was a little bit up there. And so he, they were in their 90s. They, they had never had any children. They were past the age of having children. And God came again and said, you are going to have a son and you are going to be the father of many nations. Like you're going to have more descendants than stars in the sky. Right? That's a lot of descendants like maybe innumerable, right? And so, you know, you at the same, again, Abraham could have been like, I don't think so, right? I don't think that can happen. Look at it logically. But he said, nope, I'm gonna have faith in God. And they put their faith once again in God and God gave them Isaac. It was a long time actually before God gave them Isaac, but he gave them Isaac. And so this story in Genesis 22, Isaac is a young boy. He's a child. So he's not, you know, a toddler. He's like a kid. We don't know exactly how old he is, but he's old enough to talk, have a conversations, move around. And God comes again to Abraham. And he says, I want you to take Isaac, take him to the top of Mount Moriah, and I want you to sacrifice Isaac. Now, this is like crazy. And in our context, we're like, what? Hold on. Came to church today. 
God tells you to sacrifice people, right? Okay, so just so you know, this isn't normal. This doesn't normally happen. But this sort of thing would have been familiar to them because at this at this time, in this context, they would bring sacrifices to God regularly, not of people, but of animals. And so they were used to this idea of bringing a sacrifice, but not used to the idea of bringing your own son as a sacrifice. But Abraham, again, puts his faith in God. And so him and Isaac, they climb this mountain. And, you know, Isaac asks, because he would have been used to this kind of trip. And he said, Dad, you know, where's the animal? We always bring an animal with us to the top of the mountain. You forgot the animal, right? And his dad says, Isaac, the Lord will provide. You know, and so they get up to the top of the mountain. They make that long trek. And there's a big altar there where they normally, you know, make a sacrifice. And Isaac, you know, again, Hey, Dad, where is the animal? And, and Abraham says, the Lord is going to provide. And so Abraham puts Isaac, or maybe Isaac had to get up on that altar all by himself, right? Up on that altar, and Abraham was about to sacrifice his only son, right? His promise that God had given him, a miracle baby. And right then, God speaks, says, stop, Abraham, stop. You've proven yourself faithful you have faith in me, and he provides an animal. There's a ram right there that's stuck in a thicket, and he said, here's an animal, sacrifice the animal, not your son. And that is where we get the name Jehovah Jireh for the first time the Lord will provide. And so this is a strange story for us today, but it's it's such an amazing example of how God will provide for every single one of us in every single part and piece of our life. And that's what I want to talk to you about today is that if you would leave this room and know God will provide for me. If I put my faith, if I put my trust in, if I give my life to Jesus, he will provide for me in every area. And so there's four different areas that I'd like to talk to you guys about today that God will provide for you. The first one is God wants to provide for you emotionally. Now, sometimes we have this idea of Christians that Christians are very stoic, right? You didn't get this idea from me, right? If you've met me, you're like, maybe not a Christian, right? Not a stoic person. But we do. We have this idea that Christians, they're just like level, you know? They, they don't get really excited about anything, and they, they never get down about anything, right? And that's just simply not true. Um, we all have emotions. God created emotions, right? God gave us emotions. And did you know he wants to provide for you with your emotions? If you think like, well, I have to come to church and I have to mask everything. I have to pretend like everything is fine. Otherwise, I won't seem like I'm a good Christian. But did you know that's not true? That God really wants to provide for you. He gave you these emotions and he wants to help you through them. In Psalms 20, we're going to read this little chapter. It says, in your day of danger, may the Lord answer and deliver you. May the name of God of Jacob set you safely on high. May supernatural help be sent from his sanctuary. May he support you from Zion's fortress. May he remember every gift you have given him and celebrate every sacrifice of love you have shown him. Pause in his presence. May God give you every desire of your heart and carry out your every plan as you go to battle. When you succeed, we will celebrate and shout for joy. Flags will fly when victory is yours. Yes, God will answer your prayers and we will praise him. I know God gives me all that I ask for and brings victory to his anointed king. 
My deliverance cry will be heard in his holy heaven. By his mighty hand, miracles will manifest through his saving strength. Some find their strength in their weapons and wisdom. But my miracle deliverance can never be won by men. Our boast is in the Lord our God, who makes us strong and gives us victory. Our enemies will not prevail. They will only collapse and perish in defeat while we rise up full of courage. Give victory to our king, O God. The day we call on you, give us your answer. This was written by King David. David wrote tons of Psalms. There's basically songs that he wrote to God. And if you read through the book of Psalms, man, there are a lot of high highs and there are a lot of low lows. David goes from like rejoicing to God, celebrating who God is, to being like miserable, you know, and saying my soul is downcast, right? He goes to where he's saying like, you know, God bless the world. Then he goes to kill all my enemies, God vanquish me. You know what I mean? Get me, help me, right? He pours out his soul to God. Why? Because God is providing for him. Emotionally, he can pour out his soul to him. In this passage, there's so many different emotions that are being talked about. In your day of danger, may the Lord answer you. In my day of danger, I don't know what date that is, right? But in my day of danger, I'm probably going to have a lot of fear, right? And God is there for me. It says, may supernatural help be sent from his sanctuary. May he support you. Sometimes we need support, right? Sometimes we need someone to know that someone is behind us, that someone has our back. We need that. May God give you every desire of your heart. That means that he knows the desires of your heart. He knows those things that, that you secretly want or you secretly need. It says that you, um, trying to find it right here. It says that you're going to shout for joy. When we succeed, we will celebrate. We will shout for joy. God wants to know. He wants to know when you're celebrating, when you're shouting for joy. He cares about your cares, right? We just finished a series last month all about that. God cares about your cares. And he wants to provide for you in, in your emotions. The second place that God wants to provide for you is intellectually. You know, how many of you guys have heard that bumper sticker, read that bumper sticker, or maybe you heard that statement and said, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it, right? And that's so many times that, you know, we hear that, we're like, yeah, that's true. But there's a lot of people who, um, you know, have a science kind of brain, and they say, I know I'm supposed to have faith, but I also have a lot of questions, <laughs> right? There's a lot of things that I read in the Bible and I wonder, you know, is this really true? How can this possibly be? Everything else I see in the world, is, this, is the Bible really true? But God wants to take care of you and provide for you intellectually. You know, every single question that you have, it's okay to have questions. It's okay to have doubts. And he has answers. The more that you dig into the Bible, the more that you dig into his word, you will find out there are answers for you, even in science, right? God provides for us supernaturally, but he's also a scientific God. In Romans 1, 19 through 20, it says, in reality, the truth of God is known instinctively for God has embedded this knowledge inside every human heart. Opposition to truth cannot be excused on the basis of ignorance because from the creation of the world, the invisible qualities of God's nature have been made visible, such as his eternal power and transcendence. He has made his wonderful attributes easily perceived. For seeing the visible makes us understand the invisible. So then this leaves everyone without excuse. What is this saying? It's saying that God created us and God created the world in a way that the more we look into it, the more we can see him. 
the more that we look into science, the more we try to figure out how did this world start? How is life here on earth? How are we all here? Everyone agrees there, that at some point life started. It had a cause, something that we don't know what it was caused earth to happen. And we believe it was caused by God right? Every single person has that. The more they look into it, they have to see that something caused this. So what am I choosing to put my faith in? But God wants to provide for you in, the, in areas where you have questions and you need answers. He is there and he wants to provide for you. Um, I love that it says that God's nature has been made visible such as his eternal power and, transcend, and transcendence. He made his wonderful attributes easily perceived for seeing the visible makes us understand the invisible. The more that we see the earth and how it works, the more that we see DNA and how it works, the more we realize, man, there's something invisible that is also at work here, right? God wants to provide for you in the questions that you have. If you do have a lot of questions, I really encourage you. Jake actually mentioned this last week. We did a series about a year ago. It was called, it was called Can't Say That in Church. You can't say that in church. And there is one of the, the sermons is all about how do we know that God exists and answers a lot of those questions? So if you want to know more about that, I encourage you to go listen to that message. Um, Malcolm Muggridge, he was a socialist and a philosophical author. He wrote, I had a notion that somehow besides questing, I was being pursued. Besides me just trying to find the answers, that also something was after me pursuing me. Um, Jake and I, we listened to this podcast once it's by Ravi Zacharias, and he is a Christian apologist, meaning he answers a lot of these kind of questions and he talks about these kind of things. And in it, someone, an atheist, you know, had a question and asked his question. You could tell that he was really struggling. You could tell that he was almost believing that there could be a God, but he was struggling with his beliefs. And, you know, Ravi very graciously answers his question. But then at the end of his question, he said, but I have to tell you, the hound is upon you, right? Because there's this picture of God. He's not just out there waiting to be found, but he's literally here coming after you, trying to get your attention. You know, we sing that song, Reckless Love, and that's what that's talking about. It's overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It's chasing you down. It's trying to find you. It's trying to get to you. Every single one of us were created with a purpose, and the purpose was to have a relationship with God. And he is after you in that relationship. He wants your heart. And then C.S. Lewis, he was an atheist and he was trying to prove that there was no God, prove that the Bible wasn't true. And he said, night after night, feeling whenever my mind lifted, even for a second from my work, the steady, unrelenting approach of him, who I so earnestly desired not to meet. I gave in and admitted that God was God and knelt and prayed, perhaps that night, the most dejected and reluctant convert in all of England. God is after you. God is after you and he wants to provide for you intellectually. He wants, you, he wants those questions that you have to be able to find an answer in him. You know, if you, these are all older atheists who have gone, but there's one, um, Rosaria Butterfield, you could find her book, and it's an awesome book, how she was a feminist who was trying to come against and show how the Bible was this, you know, terrible uh, book and prove that it was terrible, and in that she found Jesus, in that she converted and became a Christian, and it's a beautiful story, but God wants to provide for you intellectually. The third way, God wants to provide for you financially. 
Now, this is the one that we hear the most. When, when I sing, you know, when I was six years old, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, that's what I'm thinking. God wants to provide you money. Praise the Lord, right? And so that's the one I think that we hear about the most. But God wants to provide for you in every area of need in your life. But did you know God does want to provide for you financially? In Philippians um, 4.19, it says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glories in Christ Jesus. God wants to supply every need that you have. And then it says, based on his riches and his glory. So what are the riches and the glories of God? right? I remember growing up, I always heard the, the, the saying, well, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, so he'll take care of it. And I was like, what? What? What are you saying to me? Where's thousand hills? What? God owns cattle? Like, what are you saying to me right now? But that's actually a verse in Psalms 50:10. for every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. What is God saying? He's saying, I made this earth. Everything I made, it's mine right? Sometimes, you know, with the kids, my kids have three little kids and, you know, they're always like, that's mine, right? And it comes out. That was just happening to Wade upstairs. Penny had a donut and we were teasing that she should give her donut to to Wade and she was going, mine, mine, right? And, you know, as a parent, sometimes you're like, no, it's mine. Like, don't talk to me that way. I bought it. I put it here. I made it for you not to eat it and throw it away in the garbage can, right? (laughs) I made it. It's mine. And that's how God is. This earth is mine. I'm the only one keeping it in motion. I'm the only one making it work. I provided for you for the very breath you just took. So why don't you believe that I could provide for you in your need? And yet so many times as Americans, I think we get confused between our wants and our needs. And we have these wants, I want a bigger house. I, I don't, 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 that's not me. I'm saying, I want, you know, a nicer car. I want, you know, a husband. I want, when we have these wants and, and then when they don't happen, we say, God doesn't want to provide for my needs, but there's a difference between our wants and our needs. You know, when I was younger, I used to always, I don't know why I, I started doing this, but I always would pray God would give me money in the mail. I literally, I don't know why I prayed this, but for like most of my life, I would just, not every day, you know, but every once in a while, I would, when I thought about, oh God, I pray you'll provide money when I open the mail, there'll be envelopes full of money, right? Why? No idea, you know, but hey, that'd be nice, you know, so yeah, why don't you? Well, it never happened, okay? Well, then at one point in our life, um, Jake and I, we found ourselves in, in, in one month, we both lost our jobs and we had to get out of our house within 30 days. And we were just like, what are we going to do? And our life has always been in God's hands. We have been having faith in him that he's our provider for all of our marriage. And so once again, we're like, all right, God, our life is in your hands. You're going to have to figure out what we're going to do here. We don't know what to do. And Jake, he um, he used to have a band. I, I feel bad saying used to, but they haven't done anything in so long. I think we have to say used to in the past. Sorry. But that's another thing that he actually does is play in a band at times. And so he, he, they were playing, they were playing up at a, a, a worship conference in Portland. And so me and the kids, we were going to go meet him at this worship conference. And we are just praying, God, what do you want us to do? We are trying to find a new place to live. We don't have a job. We're trying to figure out, should we try to get new jobs? And the other thing that we're talking and praying about is, should we start Joy Church? You know, we're just not sure. What should we do? God, our life is in your hands. We know you're going to provide for us. What do you want us to do? 
And so I meet Jake up at this um, church worship thing, and I put all my kids into a kids' class, praise the Lord. And then I'm just standing there, and no one really knows me because I haven't even, we haven't even seen each other yet. He's, he's on stage when I get there, so it's not like someone knows who I am or anything like that. And so I just, I'm just in the dark, you know, in the worship time. And this woman who I don't know comes up to me, and she's just going through an aisle, and she's just praying for people and just kind of general, like, Jesus bless them, God be with them, you know, which is great. And she gets to me and, you know, just Jesus bless her and God be with her. And all of a sudden she stops and she says something, which I believe was a prophetic word. And a prophetic word is something where God speaks to you and you are obedient and you tell it to someone else. And it's a a word for right then that God gave you to give to someone else. And I don't even know if she knew she was doing that, but suddenly she goes, and God just bless her. And then she stops and pauses and she says, and God, God's provision is gonna show you his direction. God is gonna show you his direction by his provision. And then she just, you know, moved on. And I thought, whoa, we're trying to figure out direction right now. We don't know what we're supposed to do with our lives. I think she just gave me a prophetic word, you know? So I just was like, okay, I'm gonna, you know, tell Jake about it. And then I forgot, because that's typical of me. And so the next day, we're driving to Canada. (laughs) And, and, you know, we're like a few hours down the road, and all of a sudden I go, oh, Jake. Someone, I think someone gave me a prophetic word last night. And I tell him the whole story and I tell him what happened. He said, oh, wow, interesting, you know? And then we're just like, okay, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We go to Canada and Jake's teaching a class up there for a week. And then we come home and our house is halfway packed up because we're getting ready. We're going to move somewhere else and we're trying to figure out where we're going to move to. And it's just kind of a little bit chaos in our life, right? And we're just believing and trusting that God is going to show us what to do and he's going to take care of us. And so I go, we'd been gone for a week. So I go to get the mail. And I grab out all the pile, you know, of mostly junk mail, because that's all that comes. You're like, these people haven't lived here in 10 years, and you're still sending them stuff, whatever, you know. And you get the whole junk mail, and I start going through the mail, and there was envelope after envelope after envelope of money. And we had rebates from insurance things. We didn't know we were owed. We were, got paid for things we never knew we earned money for, right? There was just God provided for us in that moment in an unexpected way that we weren't expecting, right? But it wasn't a want. In that moment, it was a need. And God provided for us. And when we added up that month, all the money that came in that was unexpected, it was exactly our salary that we had just lost the month before. And then the next month, we moved to a new house. (laughs) So we have a new address. And, you know, I went out to go check the mail again. And inside, there was an unmarked envelope. It had no return address. It had no one signed it, anything. And in it was 10 $100 bills. And I was like, it's never happened before. Don't worry. It doesn't happen every Tuesday, in case you're wondering, right? Never happened before. It's never happened since. And I'm like, you know, and then you're like, what do you do with this much cash? Everyone's going to think I'm a drug dealer. That's what all of us who, who are pretty like straight and narrow kind of people, that's what we all think. Oh, I have, I have $10 here. People are going to think I'm a drug dealer, you know. As soon as we have cash, that's our first thought. But this shows you how far removed we are from that. But, you know, I bring it to Jake. He's in his office at home, and he's on the phone, and I just put it in front of him. And he's like, what is this? Where did it come from? Why? God was providing for us. in that second month, when we added up all the unexpected money that came in, it, didn't, it wasn't our salary that we had lost, but it covered every single bill that we had. Why? God was providing for us. But do you know why he was providing for us? Because we trusted him to do it. 
We were obedient in giving him our all, our whole life. God, whatever you ask, we're gonna do. Even if it seems crazy in the moment, if you ask us, we're gonna do it. So many people are, are, you know, saying, God, he never provides for me. He never takes care of me. You've never put your life in his hands so he can show you how he will. And that's the most important part is we have to say, God, my life, every aspect of it is in your hands and I have faith that you are gonna provide for me. And the last way that God wants to provide for you is spiritually. God wants to provide for you spiritually. And this is the most exciting way that God has already and will continue to provide for us. In Romans 5, 6 through 11, it says, For when the time was right, the anointed one, meaning Jesus, came and died to demonstrate his love for sinners who were entirely helpless, weak, and powerless to save themselves. Now, who of us would dare to die for the sake of a wicked person? We can all understand if someone was willing to die for a truly noble person. But Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. And there is still much more to say of his unfailing love for us. For through the blood of Jesus, we have heard the powerful declaration, you are now righteous in my sight. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you will never experience the wrath of God. Amen? That's a good thing. So if while we were still enemies, God fully reconciled us to himself through the death of his son, then something greater than friendship is ours. Now that we are at peace with God and because we share in his resurrection life, how much more will we be rescued from sin's dominion? And even more than that, we overflow with triumphant joy in our new relationship of living reconciled to God, all because of Christ Jesus. Man, this is good news. This is what Christmas is all about, right? You know, Christmas, we get caught up in just the hustle and the bustle, you know? We gotta get letters to Santa and I gotta navigate how to talk to my kids about Santa and I gotta get stockings and I can't forget that we have to make all this food and oh, oh man, I have to go see those relatives that I can't stand, right? And we have all of these things that just begin to overwhelm and fill up our December of stress and worry and all of these things when we forget, wait, Christmas is a worldwide birthday party for Jesus Christ. How amazing that we get to participate in that. Can you imagine how you would change your Christmas if you thought about it as, man, what, how do I plan a birthday party for someone I love, right? I think about that person. I wanna bless that person. I wanna do good things for that person. I wanna make that person's day special. Imagine if you did that with your Christmas this year because this is the good news that we were lost in our sin and God made a way by sending Jesus for every single one of us so we could be restored into a right relationship with God. You know, in the story of Abraham and Isaac, I always put myself in the shoes of Abraham. God, would I trust you if you asked me something so crazy, so big? Would I really have faith? Would I really trust you? But today I want you to put your, your life your, in the hands of Isaac. Like think about if you were Isaac, right? And maybe you're 10 years old and your dad's like, okay, let's go do our sacrifice. And you're old enough to know something's different. Dad's acting weird. He's not telling mom where we're going, right? Something's different today. And yet you're trusting him climbing that mountain. 
trusting him when he says, God's going to provide. And then your dad says, okay, get, get on the altar. Can you imagine? We hear no fight. When we read this story in Genesis 22, we don't see that Abraham had to wrestle Isaac down and shove him and hold him down. We don't see a fight at all. It seems like it's very peaceful, which means that Isaac willingly laid down on an altar when his dad was going to kill him. And yet that's a picture for every single one of us. That when we say, God, my life is in your hands, my whole life. Now, God isn't standing over us with a knife, right? But it's that insecurity of saying, God, I don't know what you have for me. I don't know where you're going to lead me. I don't know where you're going to take me. But I willingly am giving you my life. And you know, so many of us that are in here who are Christians, Christ followers, meaning that we've given God our life, we don't necessarily put our whole selves on the altar. Sometimes we just say, well, here's, here's my arm. Here's my leg, God. Well, you know, you can, have like, you can have like 10 bucks here and there, or you can have like my Sundays, but you know, I don't know about my dreams. I don't know if I can trust you with my dreams. I don't know if I can trust you with my hurt. I don't know if I can trust you with my worries. I don't know if I can trust you with my family, with my money, with my life. And God is saying, will you give me it all? I want to be your provider. I want to show you how awesome I am and how much I can provide for you. But you have to give it all to me first. And so today I want to encourage you, put your whole life on the altar and say, God, there is no restrictions here. Whatever you want to get into in this life, get into it. I give it all to you.